why don't you go and get out your Bibles, digital or analog, and going to turn to Titus chapter 3. Look, the title of today's message is Living Out the Gospel. Because we are shaped by it, because we are grounded in it, let's actually do what it is that we're called to do. And let's actually live in a way believing that there is good news. Look, as we live it out, as we actually live out the gospel, let's actually also look out for what it is that matters the most. Look, have you ever noticed that we often choose what we want right now instead of what it is that matters the most? Look, instead of actually waiting on, engaging in more discipline, Instead of actually saying no to some things and even saving our best yeses, we actually will choose what we want right now instead of what it is that actually matters more. And have you ever noticed that when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God's word, God's word is oftentimes pushing against, challenging us, even correcting us to go against its cultural norm and its human nature or even what we see predominantly in our American culture to move against choosing what we want in the moment instead of what we actually want, instead of what we actually need, instead of what actually matters the most. Look, the Bible, Bible is oftentimes pushing us and challenging us and even correcting us to challenge our minds to extend beyond the moment that we're thinking about and actually to ignite our humanly perspective with some godly purpose. Look, church, I don't know about you, but I actually want to live this life to the full. I don't want to just choose what I want right now in the moment because I'm feeling something, but I want to choose what it is that actually matters the most. Like, I want God to do what he wants to do in my life the most. I want to develop as an authentic follower of Jesus Christ the most. Like, I want to actually help more people do that more than anything. I want to do what matters the most and what I'm just feeling right now in the moment. But sometimes, living out what we want right now, instead of choosing what it is that we want the most, comes from the fact that sometimes we are just forgetting to live with an eternal perspective. Look, God wants us to live not just in the moment, but have an eternity in mind. Look, I know I just told you to turn in Titus chapter 3, but look at these verses here in Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90 is one of the only um, Psalms that was actually written by Moses. Most of them are written by King David and some other priests, but Psalm 90 was written by Moses. And listen to what he says. He says, the years of life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Think about where you are right now on this journey called life. Where are you at right now? He says, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we all fly away. Then in verse 12, he says, so teach us. He's writing this as a prayer to God. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Look, our days are numbered, church. So how is it you want to live? Again, God has called us to be a people who actually live out the gospel, igniting our humanly perspective with some godly purpose. So with all of that being said, are you ready to jump into Titus chapter 3 today? All right, if you're ready, say amen. 
And just so you know, as a reminder, look, it is okay. Look, if you hear something good from God's word, it is okay to say amen. It is okay to respond. And it's not because I need any of that. But look, if we can get excited for the Washington commanders doing anything, can we not get excited for what it is that God has called us to, challenged us to do, that he wants us to do in his word? So are you ready to get into God's word today? All right. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul writes, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, avoiding quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Look, we could probably spend the next few weeks just unpacking everything that Paul just said in this verse right here. But I want to show with you just a couple of things here today from Titus chapter 3, that when it comes to actually living out the gospel, what it actually looks like. So when we're talking about living out the gospel, what it actually looks like, write this down, church, number one, okay? When it comes to living out the gospel, we need to look out for how you're actually responding to community, how you're actually responding to the culture, When it comes to living out the gospel, thinking about how we should live, not just in the moment, but actually having a godly perspective, knowing that we actually have godly purpose in this life, we need to look out for how we're actually responding to where we're living in our community and actually responding to the culture that we're in. Look back at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, remind them. Remind them. Now, pause right there for a moment, okay? Look right there in your Bible. In verse 1, he says, remind them. Now, what I'm about to do, and and Steve, leave that up there for a moment, okay? Leave that up there. What I'm about to share with you about just the first two words in there, remind them, is something really profound. And before I share with you what that phrase means, I want to remind you that I've been seminary trained. I have a master's degree from seminary. I've been a pastor now for about 15 years. I've been called, licensed, and ordained. And what I'm about to share with you is something deep from the Word of God that only professionals like me can pull out, unpack, and teach to you. So are you ready to receive some deep insight into the Word of God? That phrase right there, remind them, means this. It means to remind them. Yeah, you guys, thank you. You know, I I heard somebody, I've heard a couple people say to me that sometimes they say, look, the Bible is so hard to understand. And only the professionals like me can really understand what the word of God says. But let me just say, look, there are some complicated things in the Bible that people wrestle with and they try to unpack and they have to study real deep to understand it. But for the most part, God has made his word so understandable that any one of us can read it and understand what it actually says. And what Paul is saying right here, he's saying, look, you need to remind them, Titus. And reminding them simply means, look, that they've actually already been taught something. They already know this. And sometimes it's good for us to go back and be reminded of what is true and what it is that God is calling us to do. And here, Paul is reminding Titus to remind that church of the things that they've already been taught, specifically the things that he's already written to them about in this letter. In fact, do you remember what we talked about last week? 
Let me just take a moment to remind you that Paul talked about right before we get here to chapter three. Last week talked about since we are grounded in the gospel that we need to do what it is that we're actually called to do. And we are called to extend the invitation of grace to everyone because the grace of God has appeared because it can bring salvation for everyone. We don't keep what Christ has done for us just for us. Look, we have called to extend, we are called to extend the invitation of grace to everyone. We are also called to be transformed. Look, so we don't try to live this Christian life. We train. Man, we let God do some things in us, tear some things out of us. And there's even things in life that we need to renounce. We need to put to death so we can live this life to the full and actually be transformed and be conformed to the image of Christ. Last week, Paul talked about how even we are called to wait with expectancy. Look, even while we're waiting on God, he has not abandoned us. He has not rejected us. While we're waiting on him, look, Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back and he's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to change this to a new heavens and a new earth. Like everything will be made brand new. Jesus is coming back. But while we wait, church, we wait with expectancy because he's still moving right now. No matter what's happening in the world around us, and again, we don't disengage from the world. We know that he's moving in the world right now. So we wait on him to fulfill his promises. And even right now, he's moving in us and through us and he's working on us. We are called to wait on God with expectancy. But there's one more thing that I didn't get to share with you last week out of Titus chapter 2 that Paul wants Titus to remind this church of. And that actually comes out of chapter 2, verse 15, where he says, look, declare these things. He said, exhort and rebuke with all authority. And he says, let no one disregard you. And it's just a reminder, church, that we are called to submit our lives to the word of God. We are called to submit our lives to what it is that the Bible has said. Look, in chapter 2, verse 15, he says, look, declare these things. And he says to exhort. And exhort means to, to challenge and encourage. And, of course, rebuke even means to correct. And Paul was challenging Titus and reminding him to remind the church that at the end of the day, look, we submit to what the Bible has said. And the Bible will challenge us, but will also correct us. And we submit to the authority that's in the word of God. And so he reminds Titus to remind the church that living out the gospel does mean that we are going to actually look on how we respond to culture. But a simple way to say that is this, church, is that when we're living out the gospel, we look at how we're actually responding to culture, responding to our community. And it simply means that we need to be a good citizen and we actually need to be a good neighbor. Look, Paul was challenging Titus to remind the church that you actually have to live these things out. And in living these things out that he's talked about so far, we need to be a good citizen. and We actually need to be good neighbors. Look again what he says here in verse 1. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Look, submissive to rulers and authorities. 
This simply means that we are actually to obey the laws that have been issued by the governments where we live. Look, we are to be good citizens, church. Look, that means that we actually pay our taxes. That means that we actually follow the the laws that are posted on signs, on roads, and also elsewhere as well. That means that we are called to be obedient to these laws. But then Paul also says two words here that layers the importance of it. He says that we are to be submissive and we're also to be obedient. This emphasizes what Paul taught in Romans chapter 13 and also what Peter taught in 1 Peter chapter 2, where again, it's reminded that we pray for and even submit to government authorities statewide, locally, wherever it is that God has placed us. So this means whoever it is that is in office, whether it's a political party or a politician that we really, really, really like, whether it's a political party or a politician that we don't like as much, like we submit to the laws that have been given to us, we submit to the government authorities. But remember what Paul also said back in chapter 2, verse 15. It's a reminder that we are supposed to submit to God's word First and foremost, come on, we choose Christ over culture. If the Lord has said it, we're going to submit to it. And in fact, even in Matthew chapter 22, verse 21, when Jesus was being challenged with the question on the tension is like, do we follow the Caesar or do we follow God? Man, Jesus simply said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 21, he says, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's. And again, what the government says does not supersede what Christ has said. In fact, we know in the first century, there were many disciples who were thrown into jail, maybe even killed because they had told him, you need to stop talking about Jesus. But they said, we must obey God rather than men. We cannot stop talking about the things that we have heard. We cannot stop talking about the things that we have seen. We will declare the gospel. We will declare who God is. We will not stop. In fact, let me give you just a couple of this real world practical exhortations right now. Students in the room, elementary students, middle school students, high school students, college students, you may have been told that you are not allowed to talk about your faith in school. Let me just say that what God has called you to supersedes that. He's called you to be a witness. He's called you to share the good news of who Christ is. But did you know that the law actually does not forbid you from sharing your faith and living out your faith in school? In fact, the Bill of Rights, the freedom of religion says, look, the state itself can't force you to be a certain religion. It can't force you to not be a religion. And in fact, it actually gives you permission to live out your faith in school. In fact, I've been praying for you that this would be a season that wherever God placed you, that you would be a bold witness for him in your school. And I would say, look, whether it's a public school, whether it's even a private school or a homeschool co-op, look, people need Jesus every single place. So wherever it is, students in the room, that God has placed you, Look, he's placed you in that classroom, on that sports team, next to that particular student for a reason. And you're not just there just to learn math or underwater basket weaving or whatever students are into nowadays. Man, he has placed you there to be a light for him in that place. 
In fact, I'm praying that through your boldness, because you're going to do what God has called you to do, that it's going to be someone that you extend the invitation of grace to. May you invite them to church this year, and whether they come to your small group, whether they come to the youth group, whether they come right here, they're going to hear the gospel and their lives are going to be changed for eternity because you decided to do what you were called to do. I'm praying that you are going to be someone this year in your school, in your classroom, on that team, where you're going to have the boldness to declare and extend the invitation of grace to someone. We're right there, even in the classroom, at your lunch table, after school. God's going to open up a door. And because you know the gospel and you're ready to share the gospel, he's going to use you to change somebody's life for eternity. That God's going to use you to build his kingdom. Look, wherever he has placed you, do what it is that he has called you to do. Students, I'm praying for boldness for you this year. But see, that also goes for any of us. Look, even if you're connected to a state or government institution, look, again, we render to Caesar what's Caesar's, and we render to God what is God's. We need to be ready for every good work, Paul says. He says, speak no evil of anyone. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all people. Man, one of the ways that we show perfect courtesy is by extending grace to people and sharing the good news about Christ. Look, we need to pray earnestly for wisdom. But church, I want to challenge you again, wherever God has placed you, that you would not be afraid. Look, I'm not sure if our world or our culture or even our government is going to be, become any more friendly at all toward Christians. In fact, I believe that until Christ returns, it probably will even become more hostile towards followers of Jesus. But we don't need to be afraid. Christ is with us. He's called us. He's placed us in this time where we are for a reason. So even in this time where we are for a reason, he's called you to be a light for him. So wherever it is that God has placed you, Man, we are called to be good citizens and good neighbors. And yes, we obey, but more than anything, we are a light for Christ where he's placed us. So when it comes to living out the gospel, church, right now where you are, look, are you responding to culture and the community that you're in? Are you actually loving God and loving people in that way? Are you actually being a good neighbor and actually being a good citizen right where it is that he's placed you? When it comes to actually living out the gospel, what it actually looks like wherever you are. We also need to look back on just how much the gospel has changed us. Look, Paul's about to tell Titus, to tell the church. And you need to look back and you need to see just how much the power of Christ has done in your life and just how much he's changed you. Again, look at what he says here in verse three. He says, for we ourselves... We're once foolish, disobedient, and we were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and even hating one another. You know, sometimes people will try to say that following Jesus is really this guilt-based religion. That if you follow him, if you're in relation with him, like you're just going to feel guilty all the time. In fact, that may be the reason why some of you have delayed coming back to church. And maybe you're even wondering why you're in here today. 
Because sometimes like people have even taught and even tried to grow churches by just simply making people feel guilty about who they are. And they might even use verses like this right here to say, look, look, you should, you should feel the shame and guilt that you're in. Like this is the way life is. And they try to lead people with shame and guilt. You know, one of the things that we've tried to do in this series is to help those who might be looking for a church or, or you know, still considering this church to see that what to see what it is that we've actually built this church on. And look, we have not built this church on the way that we feel or just the things that we think we have built it on the word of God. Look, we're not trying to build this church based on getting more money like some people might even try to think or believe. Look, the goal of building this church isn't so that I can one day drive a Bentley or even one day drive a Tesla or anything like that, okay? The goal of building this church is not so that Pastor Brian or Pastor Scott or anyone else on staff can one day have some vacation homes in Martha's Vineyard. That is not the goal of building this church. That's not what it's built on. Like we want to build this church on the gospel. And we don't build this church on guilt and shame either, but on the gospel. And Paul sets this reminder of what life was like before Christ. He says to them, look, remember Remember what life was like before Christ, and it is so important for us, church. One of the reasons why he gives this reminder is, again, not to lead the people with guilt and shame, but it's so that they will remember just how seriously it is that God takes sin. Look, God is holy. He is good. He is set apart. In my own quiet time this week, I've been reading Psalm chapter 51. I don't know if you've ever gotten stuck on a passage of the Bible. You keep reading it, and then like you try to do something else, and you kind of go back to it. I've been stuck on Psalm 51 this week where David writes, he says, God created me a clean heart and renew a righteous spirit within me. And right before that, David is just broken over his sin. He has a relationship with the Lord, but he's so broken over his sin. And he keeps addressing how holy and how good God is and how, man, just for the sake, this is the fact that God even just turns his face toward David. What a blessing that is for him to consider us as sinful beings and for him to even want to have a relationship with us. How powerful that is. And look, Paul sets this reminder here for the church, to remember that God takes sin seriously. It's the reason why Jesus needed to come. In fact, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all of us have sinned, every single one of us. No matter who you are, every single one of us was born with this problem of sin. And look, if that problem of sin is not addressed, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the wages of sin is death. Look, that sin is earning you something. And in fact, that death is this eternal separation from the goodness of God and the love of God where his wrath is poured out. But the good news is Jesus came. The good news is that he has made a way. The good news is that we repent of the sin and we believe this gospel and we receive this life to the full that he wants for us, that our lives will be changed. Man, the good news is, is that what was old can be, be made brand new. That brokenness can be restored because of Christ. And look, Paul sets this reminder here to remind this church that thanks be to God, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is this eternal life. Church, this is the gospel. This is the good news. 
And Paul's reminding those who are in the church of what was, but to remember something new has come. Look, living out the gospel ignites our humanly perspective with this godly purpose. And look what he says here again in verse 3. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, again, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and even hating one another. And this is what the life of sin will bring. But look how he begins verse 4. He says, look, we're hated by others, hating one another, led astray by all these passions and pleasures, but, he says, but. Church, let me just give you another little um, Bible interpretation method, okay? Anytime you see the word but in Scripture, it's probably good to pay attention to why it's there. Because you just paint this picture that there's a big contrast coming. This is the way things were. This is a direction that life was heading. But here's the contrast. Here's a direction you need to head. Here's a change that you need to make. So anytime you see the word but in Scripture, it's good to pay attention to why it's there, maybe to circle it or to underline it. And Paul says, look, we were once foolish and disobedient and led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He says, this thing is trustworthy. And he says, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and they are profitable for people. Look, Paul says here, look, this is profitability in this life. This is profitability in this life when you're actually living out the gospel. Paul says that we are devoted to good works, not saved by good works, but we're devoted to good works because of this salvation that we've been called to, not on our own accord, but because of Jesus. Look, living out the gospel again, it it ignites our humanly perspective with this godly purpose. Living out the gospel actually changes you. In fact, church, let me just challenge you. Just like Paul is doing right here to Titus for him to do to this church back in the first century, let me just challenge you that you would live out the gospel right here. And what Paul is challenging them to do is for them to understand that they have been freed in Christ that they can now live with this eternal perspective in Christ, that the wrath of God is no longer going to be poured out on them, but now they've been lavished with the love of God. He's trying to get them to see that this was what was, but now because of God, this is what is. So let me just challenge you, okay? Because I think many times we're tempted to go back to what was. Well, let me just challenge you to not go back to what was. And if you do, don't stay. Don't go back to what was. Because sometimes what was in our past, 
Sometimes the sins that we enjoy, we are tempted to go back to what was because we still think it might be better. We think it might still be good, but don't go back to what was. And if you do, look, don't stay. Look, Paul, when he was writing to some other churches, he gives the same perspective, showing them again what was. Again, it's not to lead people with guilt and shame. In fact, look, if you ever do feel some guilt or, to, or shame or conviction in the season of life you're in right now, if you're in Christ, look, that guilt or shame or conviction that you feel is not meant to become your identity. Look, it is a wake-up call for you to say, for, for the Lord trying to teach you, look, this is not where you need to be. And if you find yourself right here, right now, don't stay. Return to Christ. Look, he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, listen to what he says, okay? Listen to what was old and listen to that but God moment that changed He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, such were some of you. Now, I know sometimes when people read this verse before, they immediately look at, okay, those who practice homosexuality, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But have you ever looked at all the other things listed there? Look, he hits every single sin that every single person could commit. Again, remember, we all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And look, if our sins are not paid for or atoned for, we are going to spend eternity. We will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And he says, look, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Look, church, he's saying, look, don't go back to what was. And if you do, don't stay. Look, I'm really praying that for many of us, this will be a season of these but God moments for all of us. Where maybe we were heading a direction. Maybe we were thinking, okay, if I just go back to what was, it's going to be better. But then God intervened. And he changed my perspective He brought some renewal. Man, he brought the power and freedom I needed. I'm praying this is going to be a season of these but God moments where he intervened. And again, he didn't leave you where you are, but I said brought you back to where you needed to be. I'm praying that there's going to be some people who say, look, I was tempted to go back to pornography or letting my sexual identity define me. But God reminded me that he has freed me and he's called me to purity. I'm praying for a season where some of you might even say, look, I was tempted to let fear and anxiety and worry dominate my life again. But God reminded me that he has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Look, I'm praying that some of you, even when you're tempted to go back to what was, you realize, but God brought you to small group that night. And even though you didn't want to go, 
And even though you made up all these excuses why you shouldn't be there tonight, you knew because God was drawing you, you had to be there. And it was in that moment that you confessed that you were some brokenness in your life and people actually prayed for you. And even in that moment, you said that I could take one more step to victory in Christ because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But God intervened in the moment for us. Church, I'm praying for a season where people will say, look, I was tempted to be dominated by my sin, but I wasn't because God, the spirit of God lives in me. Look, I'm praying for this fall season where we are grounded in the gospel, where we don't choose what we want just right now, but because of God, we choose what matters most, where we're not dominated by our past or our sin, but we are committed to our calling. Church, don't go back to what was. And if you do, don't stay. Look, when it comes to living out the gospel, one more thing I want to show you from this passage today. When it comes to living out the gospel, we also need to look in on how you're protecting the unity of the church. It's so interesting how Paul concludes this letter that he's writing to Titus, that he's writing to this church as in Crete, with these Cretans and Jewish people trying to worship God together, cultural norms impacting them. But it's so interesting how he concludes. He says here in verse 9, he says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Remember what he said was profitable? <laughs> that profitability is found when we're actually living out the gospel and we're doing what God has called us to do. But he says, look, this right here, if we're engaging controversies and genealogies and dissensions and quarrels about the law, he says, look, these are unprofitable, even worthless. He says, as for such a person who stirs up division, after warning him once, then twice, have nothing to do with him anymore. Let me just say right here, look, some of you guys have been letting people run around in your mind, in your life, who are stirring up division. Look, some of you need to delete some numbers from your phone. Unfollow some people on Facebook or TikTok. You need to hit that block button. There's some people that it is okay to dismiss them from your life. To say, you know what, I'm going to pray for them, but I don't need to let them sow seeds of division and these worthless conversations in my life. Paul says, look, warn them once, then twice, then have nothing to do with them. And in verse 11, he says, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and is even self-condemned. Look, he concludes this letter with some strong language to tell the church. And this is pretty much what he's saying. Okay, write this down, all right? He's challenging the church to remember that we need a major on the majors, minor on the minors, and multiply what matters most. We need a major on the majors, minor on the minors, and we need to multiply what matters most. Again, he says, avoid foolish controversies, dissensions, and quarrels, because these things are unprofitable and worthless. And remember, there's some Cretans who were in the church on this Isle of Crete who were letting culture lead them instead of Christ. And there were some Jewish people in the church who was letting their, their bloodline and their heritage supersede the gospel. And apparently there were tensions and fights that Paul needed to address and that Titus needed to address. 
So church, again, we don't multiply or major on division or disunity in the church. Instead, we multiply what matters the most. What Paul is emphasized through Titus all throughout this letter is that we need to multiply what matters most major on a major. That is good doctrine when it comes to the word of God. Being rooted in Christ and the gospel. To trust the truth of the word of God. Multiply healthy leadership. Multiply discipleship. Multiply exhorting and even correcting each other, the older and the younger, working together, the multi-generationalists of the church, emphasizing that, leaning into that. He says, Cretans and Jews being united in Christ. And again, every ethnic group in the community, in the church, united by the gospel. Major on the majors, minor on the minors, multiply what matters the most. And again, shameless plug, I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to come to We Are Coastal. At We Are Coastal, we take time. And again, at Coastal, just in general, look, we don't, we don't hide away from what we believe the Word of God teaches. We don't keep it hidden. We emphasize what the major things are that we cling to, we hold on, that we believe are doctrinally sound, that we're never going to depart from. But at We Are Coastal, again, we paint this big picture of who we are, but also what we believe the Bible has called the church to be. Now, when you're fighting for church unity, it isn't covering stuff up like the media has been teaching about churches recently. When you're actually fighting for unity, it's not covering things up, but instead it's actually moving the way that God has called us to. It is actually calling out sin in a church. When you're fighting for unity, it's where people actually get involved, where it's required. When you're fighting for unity, it's actually protecting the flock. When you're actually fighting for unity, look, it looks like preventing false teaching or cultural things that come against God's word and preventing like any fault, preventing any false teaching from permeating the church. Look, I want you to know that at this church, like we protect the pulpits and the small groups and the youth ministry and what your kids are being taught because we want to elevate what God teaches in the word above anything else. And we protect those things because we're fighting for unity that comes in the gospel. We guard at every location, the pulpits and the teachers and kids and students and small groups. Look, church, fighting for unity, protecting the unity of the church. It looks like stopping gossip. And it's major on the majors. And we don't break fellowship just because uh, we may not like a certain song that Corey picked to sing this week. Okay. That's minor. We major on the majors. We focus on the things that God has made clear in his word. Things like the foundation of marriage is God's design. It's one man and one woman under the covenant of marriage. That God did not make a mistake when he made two distinct genders, male and female. We major on the majors that this book isn't just a book. We aren't just reading words on the screen. This is the word of God. It is inerrant, it is infallible, it is useful for teaching and correcting and training so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every single good work. This isn't just a book, this is the word of God. Man, we major on the fact that Jesus is coming back. And even though the world seems so broken right now, he is going to return. And because he is holy and just and good, every wrong will be made right. We major on the fact 
that people are going to spend eternity in one of two places. That hell is a real place. And because God is just, because he's holy, because he must punish sin, that if you don't do something about that sin problem, if your sins are not atoned for or paid for, you're going to spend eternity in this place where the wrath of God is poured out. Church, we take that seriously. But we also major on the fact that there is a place where every tear is wiped away. And if you repent of that sin, again, believe in Jesus, that right now, until eternity, you're going to be with Jesus forever. Church, this is living out the gospel, protecting the unity of the church, majoring on the majors, and we multiply what it is that actually matters the most. And as our worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, again, church, are you choosing what you want right now instead of what it is that matters the most? Come on, when it comes to actually living out the gospel, what do you look like in the community, in the culture that God has placed you in? Man, are you a light for him? Are you rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's? Are you rendering to God what is God's? Man, are you choosing Christ over culture? Are you still living in a way where, look, if the Lord has said it, I'm going to submit to it. Are you even living with a bit of boldness when it comes to your faith in Jesus? Man, are you living in a way right now where you're letting God transform you? Does it look like he's actually making a difference in your life? Does it look like you're actually keeping the unity of this church? And remember, look, this church isn't this building, it's the people. You're the church. Man, are you having tough conversations? Are you pursuing the things that God has called us to do as a church? Are you actually doing those things? Well, let me ask you in this room right now, if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus as a Lord and leader of your life, are you choosing what you want right now instead of what it is that matters the most? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Not years down the road, but right now. Look, has he been calling you? Has he been drawing you? This Jesus who is God, he died, yes, for everyone, but for you. Now, would you make this the day that you surrender your life to him, you repent of your sin, and you believe in Jesus? Would you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, for, again, this uh, goodness of who you are. And thank you, God, that when it comes to your word, God, we haven't just been called, Lord, to read it, but to do it. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be a people that actually lives out the gospel. God, may, it, may there be evidence in our life, God. May we be able to look and see that we're actually living this out. We're actually doing what it is you've called us to do. And God, I pray for the person who hasn't yet trusted yet. Yet, God, I pray that today, right now, in this moment, they would turn to you. God, I know you've been drawing them. I know you've been calling them. I know you've made a way. And maybe the purpose they've been searching for and they're trying to build all these things that are unprofitable, even worthless. Lord, you said that living out the gospel, that is profitable in this life and even for eternity. So God, I pray for the person who wants to trust you right now. God, I pray right where they are. Just pray the simple prayer. I pray that I pray, Jesus, I need you. 
forgive me of my sin. God, fill my life with your purpose. Jesus, I want to follow you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name.